0: Marketing friends, Misty here. Thanks for checking out this very special season of Marketing Sweats. This year marks Samantle's 40th year in business. So to celebrate, we're inviting Samantleites on the podcast to share stories about a project they've worked on that made them proud. We're calling it Point of Pride. In this episode, I'm talking with creative director, Jake Bile. He's a natural storyteller who puts his whole heart into his work and it shows. Have a listen as we dig into his passion for delivering an honest message in a disruptive but authentic way. Right. I am here with Jake Bile. And as I say at the beginning of all of these interviews, he's one of my favorites. And the reason he's one of my favorites is because we go way back. Jake and I have known each other since I was 19. Yeah. I don't know how old you were, but we used to hang out all the time, even before working at Samanel. So we'll share those stories another day. But Jake, introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you for having a point of pride to share today. And tell us a little bit about you and your background.
1: Wow. I know marketing sweats. I made the cut.
0: (laughs) Finally have you here. I'm so excited. So talk about, I guess, before you dive in, like Mm -hmm. you are like a big name in Peoria, let's be honest, I think in Mm -hmm. the creative world. So what did you do before you came to Samantha? How'd you get into this whole marketing space? Give us a little bit of your story.
1: Well, I went to school for graphic design and multimedia right out of college. I got a job at Adams Outdoor Advertising and I thought that I had hit the big time. That's awesome. To be honest with you. I
0: mean, for a while there, every billboard period. Peoria, I was like, Jake did that.
1: Yeah, maybe. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember selling billboards to everybody to a fault almost you know, but I worked at Adams for, gosh, I want to say, I don't know, eight years, maybe 10 years. And during my time there, I think I learned probably some of the most things in marketing from working there because I had to wear so many hats meaning the fact that I had to be a salesperson, I had to be a photographer, I had, you know, no budgets, I had to be a graphic designer, obviously. And, you know, it was the the kill of the pitch and the, you know, that exhilaration that kind of made me love what I'm doing, you know, yeah. today.
0: What I remember too, when at that stage of your career, you talked about how important it was that you had a message that people could pick up in like seven seconds, right? And so it made yeah. you to be really simple and clear in what you were trying to communicate.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I say this to other creatives too. I think just being aware of the world around you also with like pop culture and just timing and relevancy and things that are happening, I think is important as a creative, but billboards are a great place to start for creative simply because of the fact that you're right. it, It does have, you have a very short amount of time and you better be very clear about what you want to say in that time. Absolutely.
0: The other thing I remember you telling me about Adams that you loved was like, they had this awesome culture building for employees. So it made you kind of like fall in love with being a part of agency culture.
1: Yeah, they did. All of the creatives would get together yearly, too, and we would collaborate. We'd workshop. And for a billboard company, it was kind of unheard of. And I think they were a little bit more on the forefront, especially when it came to creative execution on outdoor advertising. But then I worked in the Peoria market, and I also worked in their Charlotte market. Until I was done with billboards
0: and then you went to
1: and then I got homesick to the Midwest. Our family lives here. So I was recruited by Ross Creative Plus Strategy, who had been an agency that was around for about, I want to say I might be giving them a little bit, but 50 years in the market. And I have to give a lot of props to Nick Chibin, who is the creative director, who was the creative director over there, giving me a shot. And they hired me as an art director.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And I remember you and I were at a wedding of a mutual friend, and we're standing outside having a drink, and I said, Jake, you should really come to Samantel. You were kind of leery at the time. What did you think of Symantle and why did you decide ultimately to come over our way?
1: Yeah, I know this is a Samantel marketing sweats podcast, (laughs) but at the time, I think I fought it a little bit. I think I had the premonition early on that Samantel was a little stuffy.
0: We were at the time. That was our brand, right? We were like the buttoned-up agency in town.
1: Yeah, and Ross, where I was, you know, they were wearing baseball hats and flip-flops and riding scooters around the office but which doesn't constitute you know good marketing but but yeah we had a really really interesting conversation and it kind of piqued my interest and not far after that actually after I had been working with Ross I got a call from Zach Stackley who's the other creative director here at Semantle and said, "Hey, dude, we're looking for a <laughs> you know, like second Z- Yeah, Zax that's
0: totally top. Zach's voice yeah. right
1: there. <laughs> uh, real calm. Man. He's like, "We're looking for a senior art director position to fill," and I was like, "I don't know." And I took a shot, and actually, it was beautiful timing because the other agency folded about you know six months after I had left there. But I met with Maggie Whalen, Misselhorn, and Chris Maine, and. Because the agencies are so close in proximity, I actually had to meet at the Hofbrau, which is a German restaurant here in Fiora. I love that. Yeah. Maggie had stated that she would be the one wearing the lederhosen. So,
0: you know. <laughs> that sounds like something Maggie would say.
1: Yeah. And much like how long I've been at Semanal, um, I introduced myself to Chris Main and, and Chris was like, I, you know, I said, hey, I'm Jake. And he's like, yeah, we've met like three times. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love it. Awesome. Okay. So you get offered the job. Yes. You come on board. What's your first impression of Samantha? What are like some early memories you can share?
1: Actually, it was a bumpy road, to be honest with you. I remember even specifically in that interview, having a conversation with Maggie about, I want to work at an agency that allows me to stretch my full creativity, so to speak. I I want to be at a place that's going to push the envelope, but it's not afraid to take challenges. And Maggie swore up and down, you know, we're that place and, you know, and you're going to be welcome here. And we need, she's like, come over, come over here. Let's disrupt it. Let's disrupt the creative department. So... I think it was a really uh, positive conversation, but I don't really think she knew what she was getting herself <laughs> into when I actually got hired.
0: Well, you're a different Jake today than you were back then, yeah. for sure.
1: I was very, very intense and very eager and very hungry. I still am. I just have managed to kind of dial it back a little bit. I've got other passions in my life. So, you know, I think it's important to have other passions besides just you know, coming into work every day. yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, one of the things I think Samantha is known for is just like great design, like beautiful design, right? That's what our background is. And obviously with Chris's leadership, we've been able to build that. But I think when you came into the agency, there was like a little bit of rocking of the boat of like sales and big ideas and challenging us. And I think you and I had an opportunity to work on a few community initiatives, right? Build a block where you were in front of the camera, which was so fun. Some the Peoria Zoo work we worked on, we got in a fight over, we had to have an intervention. But like truly, you and I Tears. were pretty like intense yeah. with each other. And it was good though.
1: Yeah. Yeah it's a necessary evil in this type of uh, environment. We like to call it healthy conflict, but understandably, I think we're all emotionally trying to figure ourselves out as we grow through this company and try to understand like how to be our best. But yeah, yeah it wasn't easy at the beginning, definitely. <laughs> and I got a lot of pushback. I mean, I remember creatives weren't even really in a lot of our meetings, um, yeah. you know, so we had to stand up and have a voice and even just that piece of it was was kind of a difficult challenge.
0: Yeah. Well, still today, so many of our creatives want to learn from you because you do push the envelope and sell and say no sometimes to clients. Makes me uncomfortable, but you get it done. Talk a little bit about your point of ride. So let's transition into that. I'm very, I loved listening to you tell this story because I got to sort of sit and watch it firsthand, but give the audience a little bit of context about what the campaign was and how it got started.
1: Well... Actually, it's very similar to, uh, if, if you go on the Simiano website and listen to it, I'll reiterate it, but, I'm, I'm, you know, basically it started out with alcohol, to be <laughs> honest with you, like most things do. You know, everybody says, you know, that we put it on napkins and we collaborated that way, but... I have to give like 100% props to Sarah McDonald over at Caterpillar. You know, she's our client and I didn't really know her at the beginning very well. We were learning much like Misty and I and all the uh, all the, back and, forth all we've the had. back and forth we've had. So Sarah and I were in Albuquerque working on a leadership conference. And of course, you know, somebody gives me an opportunity. You know, we're working on this very conservative Caterpillar leadership messaging kind of thing. And, we're, and I'm trying to make it like a, a Nike ad. When in reality, it's just a communication piece. So, you know, there's a learning lesson for you. But we were having drinks, multiple cocktails, a place, I want to say it was called like The Raven or something. I don't know. In Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we started talking about big brand Caterpillar and, you know, pushing the envelope and doing things a little bit differently. And we did talk about working with people that could be spokespeople or working with celebrities or talent or, and I had already conveyed to her like how much I love storytelling, how much I love, you know, video. And I hadn't had a lot of experience at that point, but her and I, for some reason, got caught up in a conversation about Tim the Tool Man and Mike Rowe <laughs> and all sorts of people That's that awesome. could be an advocate for the brand. And then, you know, we stumble out of there and we're high-fiving about how great of a time we had. And we, we learned a lot about each other on that trip. But at the same time, I thought, I was like, okay, well, that was it. You know, I just serviced the client and <laughs> she likes me now. So I didn't hear from her for like, I don't know, a couple months, much like a lot of jobs we have going on at Caterpillar. And then all of a sudden she comes back and says, we got a meeting with Mike Rowe in San oh Francisco. My gosh. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people know the Jake and Sarah dynamic, right? You guys have an awesome agency-client relationship. You talk about that in your story, and I'll jump to that now before we back up and talk about the work. You say, Sarah and I fought like brother and sister, but that's also how we actually got to what we did because we took risks and we made people feel uncomfortable. And every time somebody said no, we just kept pushing, and now it feels more normal. I love that. And I get to hear you and Sarah literally sometimes yelling at each other through the speakerphone, and I know that you're not like really fighting. That's yeah. just how you get to the good ideas. So talk about that as it relates to like your belief and what it takes to be a brave client and what you've seen in Sarah.
1: She knows me so well, and I don't even feel uncomfortable saying this, but she annoys me a lot, <laughs> um, and I annoy her a lot because I think we both are very similar personality types, and we're both trying to get to the same place, but we approach it differently. Sure. And so, understandably, when we're when you're on a, a team for marketing, you know, there's not just you and the client sitting there as a creative. You've got Account managers and project planners and copywriters and everybody else who is right. part of this team that, that brings everything to the table. And so there's been multiple times where people got really uncomfortable in the conversations because sure. of the pushback. But I think over the years, it's definitely created just this enormous amount of honesty that we have towards one another and trust. Right. And we're not afraid to explain our thoughts and, and tell each other how we feel about it in an honest way, much like the marketing that comes out of the work that we do, because we're always wanting to do things that are a little different and indirect. And Sarah is one of those clients that does that, and, yeah. and, you know, and allows it uh, to happen because, you know, I sure the hell don't have any money.
0: <laughs> well, I have, you know, through the years, you guys have done such cool work together. So I didn't realize this was almost kind of like the start of your journey, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so I want to ask, so the context of this campaign is really interesting. So unlike Caterpillar marketing a product, which is a lot of what we get to do, they were really focusing on people and recruiting technicians. So talk about that as a creative director, just the mental shift in your mind a little bit about how you were going to feature those humans and get to that authentic message.
1: Yeah, we knew that we wanted to profile these technicians because they were so badass And they had such great stories and we heard about those great stories, but it's never been really captured in the way that we wanted to. And so we did a casting call and basically recruited ourselves, you know, trying to find the best of the best in the industry that did some of the coolest stuff that were great from the standpoint of their personal life, all the way to how they helped build the world and infrastructure within those skilled trades. And so we did the casting call and we had just a great amount of feedback from the dealers. And they gave us like all these, and it was neat. It was almost like a a talent casting call where we were able to look at a Polaroid with their picture. And then they did this whole write up, this creative brief. And so we found initially four of them that we were going to tell real, true, authentic stories about these technicians, because we wanted other people that were coming out of college that were moms talking to their kids that were in the military. We wanted them to understand that there was there was options after after this. And you know you didn't have to go to college and spend $100,000 and owe everybody for the rest of your life. You could actually make a ton of money and work with your hands. And so we did just that. We found those four and we captured their stories all over the United States.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm gonna read this paragraph for those who maybe didn't have a chance to listen to yours because I think it starts to outline how visual this still is in your mind. You say, I flew all over the world to capture their stories. I went to just outside of British Columbia where the technician's back froze to the ground while he was under a machine working on it. I went to Nebraska where there's a technician that flies down to an island called Barbuda, which is no bigger than a football field to work on a cat generator at this resort four times a year and the little village kids were running around with our gear. I went to Miami and filmed a technician that works on yachts and was on the ocean doing shots in the sunrise on a pier. These are like still very vivid in your mind. And I think what I love about that paragraph is that all of these points of pride, when people think back to the creative they got to work on, there's these like moments that flash through their brain. And it's not just about the work or in this case, the people you were featuring, it's the people you were with. So talk a little bit about the crew and like what that's meant to you from a teamwork standpoint as you've grown at Seminal.
1: Yeah, the crew is such an important aspect of this, mainly because there's also a certain amount of trust that has to go into this. You need to be able to work with people that get it that are technical in nature, that are creative, that also are hard workers in the industry that, that we're in. And so with my direction on, on these shoots and, and other shoots that we've done, you know, storytelling is so important. And so we split these crew members up into different segments, you know, somebody will be flying drone and take photography, somebody will be shooting close up shots, somebody is shooting wide shots. And then we have like an interview interview cam and we'll be asking questions. And there's no better feeling than standing behind the camera, asking questions to people about their lives or their story and listening to real answers. I don't even like giving questions ahead of time simply because of the fact that I want gut reactions when I'm asking questions. I mean, we've done everything from interview people after tornadoes that are nurses that are crying. We've done interviews with people that have been like technicians like what we're describing that are, you know, just simple people in their own mind. But, you know, when we look at them from the outside, they're actually pretty heroic and pretty amazing people. And so the only way to really capture these like mini life circumstances is to do it through these these videos and, and the crew. And I'm really proud of the people that work on these with me because it is not me with a, with a handy cam. There's a function and there is a plan that goes into it every time we do this.
0: Yeah. For people who don't know, the crew that gets to work with you on some of these shoots really does, and I hate to even say this, because I don't want to build your ego any more than it already is, but they love working with you. I think the word God has been thrown around, like they really love following you. And I got to see that firsthand. I'm glad you mentioned the tornado, because that would be my point of pride when I lost my house in the tornado. And standing, you standing behind the camera, interviewing me and knowing what you were looking for in that moment out of my mouth, that's when I realized like what it takes to have an eye and how to tell a story.
1: If I had a tattoo for every person I've made cry on camera, (laughs) my arms would be filled up. You do a good job. That's awesome.
0: All right. Well, let me ask about Mike Rowe. You were yeah. so kind to introduce me to Mike Rowe. He was my very first interview on the podcast. I did not know what I was doing and I did a terrible job interviewing somebody like him, who's such an expert at interviewing. But you mentioned in your point of pride that he's become a friend. You talk a lot about how honest and authentic his brand is. And I feel like he's taught you a lot about that in terms of your philosophy on creative. Is that true?
1: Yeah, it's hundred percent true. I mean, not without a battle. He's a very, very direct individual. And that's why he's successful is because he knows his brand. And I think a lot of people don't know their brand. And Mike does know his brand. Uh, he knows it in and out. And one of the things about that is authenticity. And we say that in the, uh, in the story. But I think that's why people gravitate towards, I mean, even when he was doing QVC, selling whatever product. He had huge audiences and a lot of engagement because of that, simply because of the fact that he was just so real and so down to earth. And when we met him, even the first conversation that we had had with him in San Francisco, you know, he has a a business partner named Mary Sullivan. And both of them are, I don't know if it's a right and left brain, but they definitely work together seamlessly. And I think it is a right and left brain because you get something different from both of them and they are a balance, but they also require a lot of collaboration, and they want to be part of the big idea, Yeah, which I think is great.
0: Awesome. I love how you say, the big lesson I've learned, not just in working with Mike, but throughout my career at Semanal is that the more authentic it is, the more effective it will be. It's less effective if it looks like advertising. How do you like pressure check that when you guys are concepting? Like I know you guys go for drinks and think about how funny things are and really connect with what humans would think is funny. You don't even really think about the product or company as much as sort of the message and emotionally how it's gonna land. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I think as soon as you start you know, as a creative or even just anybody in the industry, as soon as, and that's one of the things that I think even to this day is I I struggle with because going through the motions and just coming up with ideas, marketing to market really unsettles me. And it kind of burns me up a little bit because as soon as it looks like advertising, as soon as it feels like advertising, as soon as we feel like we're checking boxes, I mean, this is content that we're developing. This is people that are looking at it that have to do something. And I don't care if it's a landing page or a banner ad or a video that we created or any other piece of marketing. I think it's imperative that Whoever our audience is actually gives a shit right. about what they're looking at. And I think so often we're all guilty at some point because of the velocity that things are going or the cost associated with you know budgets that we have to feel like we're checking boxes. But in the reality, I think that's the thing that you need to step back and take a, an honest look at is that if it feels like we have just marketed to somebody, then I think you're wrong.
0: Right. I that, love that. Yeah, so cool. We'll talk about actually getting the award because I had the great blessing of being able to fly down to Austin with you. I was there when you dropped the trophy, which was hilarious. But you know the way you tell the story about literally just waiting to see if your name was heard. I remember being so proud of you and Sarah that night, and just being like sort of a bystander to this whole experience. But. Yeah. I bet that was big part of why this was your point of pride, right? Yeah, and I, yeah, I'll be honest
1: with you, and I know a lot of people say this, but I really am not big on awards. I don't really care about a lot of awards. I mean, the last agency I worked at, they put all their Addy Awards in like a garbage can. <laughs> There's some that kind of stand out. Addy was a big one for me because it was just so recognizable. And when we went down there and we were sitting with all the leadership of Semantle and all our peers in the creative field, and marketing field you know you just keep seeing pin, you know and the gold winner goes to and you sure. know and we're just not winning anything you know and we went down there actually for two separate pieces that semantle had created which is pretty great but when they finally called us up there for small agency of the year it was it was humbling and it was pretty exciting and it was one of those moments that i kind of look back on and i feel like you know it's kind of like i feel like i'm kind of did something here. You know, I feel like this is like... This was kind
0: of important. Yeah. It is. We still use that. Yeah. Actually, we don't like to talk about awards either. It's, man, you know, if, we, if we apply for them, it's mostly for our clients' recognition, right? But still, when we introduce ourselves to new companies, to be able to say we won B2B Campaign of the Year from AdAge, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, AdAge is a big one. So it was exciting. And as an industry guy and as a creative in the industry, it, that one felt great. I don't really care about any other ones, and I probably won't moving forward unless I get an award from some that's like just like a award for the kids. <laughs> guy in the agency, but, That's here. but yeah, that was a good one.
0: Awesome. Any other reasons why this was your point of pride?
1: I think it just for, there's, it had so many levels to it. I think the relationship side of it that I was allowed to speak on behalf of like Sarah and I and the pushback that her and I give, and the pushback we got from everybody else just moving forward. Like I remember people telling me, like, we don't need to have technicians on the top of a mountain with a drone circling around them that has nothing to do with Caterpillar. And I was like, OK, well, we're going to do it. You know, there was that. And then, of course, working with somebody like Mike, you know, and over the years, I mean, we've, we've worked with him for like my career at Samantha basically and and built a relationship which is pretty cool to know that industry you know that side of things too to see how they how they work with us
0: now one of the videos that you did with mike i think we called it the thank you campaign but when i look think back to that video to me that was like the greatest anthem for the cat brand because you were putting the customer at the forefront so talk a little bit about how your relationship with the brand entity of a major enterprise organization has to evolve and kind of how this work dovetailed into that
1: That's actually hilarious, and I'll tell you why. It's because every time we have an initiative that comes across our plate, I mean, I look at it like it's bigger than what it actually technically should be. Understandably, I'm selling parts and service. Mm -hmm. I'm on the product support side of things for Caterpillar. I'm not cat brand. Sure. But when we work on an initiative and we're working with people and we're saying thank you to customers, even if it is parts and services, if there's a way to get out there in our channels and and market to those customers and they're seeing this stuff, we want to say a big message and we want to say things like thank you, whether it's with Mike Rowe or the community or anybody else rallying together to kind of do it. It's funny, every initiative that comes across my plate, I think Cat Brand is probably looking at us like, we got it.
0: (laughs) Well, you do an awesome job. I, I want to ask you though, and maybe this is a curveball question. I think a lot of people look at you, Jake, and think, Wow, he does several big campaigns a year. You know, he gets to do these awesome video shoots. But can you think of a time when your approach failed, where you went in, you pitched these big ideas, and the answer was just no, and you had to accept it? No. Liar.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's peaks and valleys to this, to everything that we're doing here. And I, I just like a couple of weeks ago, just dealt with that. And, you know, there's politics that are involved and there's budgets that are involved. And we try to do our damnedest to try to, to pitch these ideas and to, and to come up with ideas that we feel like are going to be successful. And a lot of these are like risk taking type of things. And so when you're working with a brand like Caterpillar, a conservative brand like Caterpillar, it's hard for people to kind of get to that next level. So 100 percent. Yes. I have a whole vault of ideas that have never made the grade. And so if any of you out there that are listening want some ideas, I've got about 30 of them that are like surefire killers.
0: Awesome. What I love about you, Jake, too, and I tease you about this a lot, Jake's the kind of guy who comes at a meeting with no pen, no computer, just his brain, but it's fantastic because you not just deliver creative ideas, but we talk about you consulting with the client, playing account manager sometimes, making sure they're happy with the agency. So I think you think that's really important from a creative
1: Well, I think it's also sometimes it's to a fault, though. I come in with no pen and no computer and everything like that. And I think a lot of people are like, well, what is this guy bringing to the table or what am I doing? And I think I'm just a conversationalist. And I think I I feel like I get people pretty well on an emotional level. And that's how we build these relationships is through trust and stuff like that. Because believe me, there are different way different personalities than me in this building. And if we were all like me, we would fail miserably. (laughs)
0: I love working with you. People ask me sometimes, like, what's it like when Misty and Jake work together? I'm like, lots of long conversations. I'm going to tell you that right now. All (laughs) the time. All right. Well, let's pivot away from the story. I want to ask about some of the things you're working on now. You mentioned video. We, We all look to Jake when we want big video ideas, but... You recently just went to some film festivals because you were recognized for some of your work in that space. Tell us more.
1: Actually, it was about three years ago that we created out of one of these stories that I'm referring to, not technician recruitment, but highlighting a cat customer. We filmed a customer up in Alaska, a real eccentric individual, you know, and he is just amazing. And I'll spare you the details, but we went up there shooting a four-minute video and the story was just too good and because of the creative folk around me and sarah's willing and wanting to push this we created a full-length documentary and we've been submitting that documentary into multiple film festivals we won a pretty major award in boston we went to anchorage we just got back from austin and it's it's got a lot of laurels and we're doing really great i don't know what we're going to do with it i'm I think we might even be doing a premiere at Con Expo. It's probably one of my most proud. Um, I should have done that, Damn it. I should have <laughs> Let's done- Let's do another one. I should have done the you documentary for my point yeah. of pride.
0: Well, we'll have to do another one. Yeah. But what else? What are some of the big campaigns you're working on? You know, one of the things I am so proud of you for is you almost look at your work as a bigger way to grow semanal. You have big dreams for semanal. So talk about how like you're guiding and directing different teams, but it all ladders up to growing the creative department and what we're known for.
1: Yeah, I don't, just because we're out of Peoria, Illinois, I've always talked to the creatives that I manage in this creative department. I always talk to them because I think one of the most important things is, you know, we're working with a big brand. We're working with a top 50 brand, and it's like having a Nike, you know, it's it's like having a, a B2C customer, so to speak. And every time the creatives and I have conversations about it, you know, we tell them this is how we need to be treating this. I mean, this is a big deal that we're working with Caterpillar, right? And I don't think a lot of People understand the level of work, how global they are, and how much they affect a lot of what we do. But those conversations are daily. You know, you ask me, like, what kind of campaigns am I working right now? Right now, my focus is actually to kind of take a lot of what I've learned in the last, I want to say 15 years. 15 years. But it's been 14 and a half, (laughs) um, is to have in-depth conversations and inspiring conversations with our creatives so that they they can push the envelope, they can challenge, they can do stuff, and I can help them and guide them in that way. I'm not gonna lie, it's like handing a set of keys over to your 16-year-old because you're so wanting to be involved in it as a creative. That's why I started this, that's why I came here, and I so said I wanted to make a difference, I wanted to come up with authentic creative, you know that. And so talking to other people, other creatives, other writers, and hoping that they care about it as much as I do, I think that is the challenge. And that's where I'm at currently right now with Samantha.
0: I love it. I love hearing you say caring as much as I do, because, you know, we've had clients say we care sometimes more than they do. And that's been your shift over the past year. You've always been the front of the room guy, but I see you pushing these teams to collaborate together. I told Van, he was in here the other day. The level of talent we have right now in the creative department is just unbelievable, both on the design and the writing side. And I know you're a big believer in that designer-copywriter partnership. Matt Richmond is huge for you in that. Talk about that and how that can shape the concept or the idea.
1: I mean, I I kind of mentioned that earlier with Mike and Mary, you know, the right and left brain kind of aspect of thing. But I think when you're collaborating or concepting, you know. I know we say like any idea can come from anywhere, but you do also have to have focus and you do have to be quick on your feet and you have to be able to get it. And I think in in marketing, but ideas do come from everywhere. But from my perspective, I always feel that it's important to have because I'm so chaotic and I just I'm I'm like, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea. (laughs) And I need somebody to be able to write that down, make sense of it and tie it back. Not that I don't get what the end result is, but When I'm in that collaborative kind of phase, I just think differently and, you know, I'm thinking of how it's connecting dots or I'm thinking like how we're going to challenge this or that or what our initiatives are and how many ideas we can come up. And not all of them are goofy or funny. I mean, sometimes we get heroic, sometimes we get serious as long as we're, we're getting something, as long as we're walking away. And when we pitch it, it feels like there's some thinking that went into it. And it's very strategic. I think a lot of people are like, oh, the creatives are coming in here to do some creative. But you know, before we even start that process, we're dialed in. We know exactly what our initiative is. We know exactly what the outcome needs to be, and we analyze it and through our analytics and, and then we correct course if we need to
0: yeah you know i don't think people do realize just how much jake in particular digs into the research to even start the ideation process if you give him a brief he's going to read it he's going to come to the meeting with ideas and you're also a person that i pull in just to have ideas like how many times have i said hey sit in this meeting for an hour and toss out 15 ideas and let somebody else activate on it yeah. i think that's one of your greatest strengths do you like doing that
1: I do. I like coming in and out of things, but I also like owning it too. But yeah, I think anytime you can kind of come in and get a fresh perspective and get different insight from somebody, it's always a good thing.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, we're ending these interviews with a little bit of advice. So, if you have a new Samanite, maybe listening who doesn't understand our culture, or kind of how to be successful here, maybe a client who doesn't know all that we do, like what are some words of wisdom or sort of nuggets that you've learned through the years about how to be successful in this space?
1: Oh, geez, what a build up. <laughs> Well, at least in in my area within the company, I think a lot of people market to market. I think I'm going to go back to that because I think it's just so crucial. And I think in order to really be successful in marketing, you have to be real. You've got to be authentic and you've got to evoke some sort of emotion. I think it's important and I think it allows for the campaign to be successful any new person that's starting out in the industry. I'm more concerned even when I do interviews, I'm less concerned about the fact that they know the Adobe Suite and Mm -hmm. Photoshop and Illustrator. I'm more concerned about what their communication skills are and how they present themselves and the confidence that they have. That's huge.
0: Absolutely. What about advice to ownership? Because I know you're the first to tell me the truth about everything, so what do you want for this agency?
1: Well, God, you know, if you would ask me this about two years ago, I might have had a different answer, but I will say with not a whole lot of ass kissing, I I would say one of the things I like about working at Semano currently right now is that we've got a rhythm and we've got a process, but, you know, we don't have a lot of people just like shadowing over us And, and, and they've always allowed me and others to blaze their own path. And if you're not right for where you're at, you course correct and you work in another area within Samantha because we hire people. We don't hire people, you know, just based on their positions. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It feels like you feel very autonomous right now, which is awesome.
1: Van's a great example. I mean, he came in as a project planner and worked up (laughs) to an account manager.
0: He was even a strategist at one point. I didn't even know that. Yeah,
1: I was like, you're coming to the creative (laughs) department.
0: He tells that story on his point of pride. Oh, I'm sure
1: he does. Van's a big fan
0: of Van. Yeah, no, he talks about you, Jake, and pulling (laughs) him over and just saying like, this is happening we're not gonna wait anymore, which is awesome. All right, well, thank you again for being here. I love this story and thanks for all you do for Samantle. At Samantle, we like to say our clients come to us for the work we produce, but they stay with us because of the people. Jake's story is a great example of that. We were able to do what we did because of the long standing relationship and the trust between our client Sarah and our creative director Jake. And in the end, we even won an Ad Age Award for our efforts. It just doesn't get much better than that. To hear more Point of Pride stories, go to MarketingSweats.com or wherever you get your podcasts and check out the rest of the episodes in our very special Season 6. You can hear more from Jake about his Point of Pride by visiting the 40th anniversary page on Samantha.com. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.